0: Episode 40, bonus edition, interview with Jared Borman. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential, and I refer to you as elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. Well, today is a very special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator, Jared Borman. He has got such an empowering message for you today. And make sure you listen the whole way through today's episode because I have a little extra piece of behind-the-scenes discussion with Jared that you don't want to miss. So let me share with you a little bit about Jared. He's a technology integration specialist at the Keystone AEA. He has a master's in instructional technology through the University of Northern Iowa. He's also an adjunct professor for that same master's program. He formally taught middle school and high school English for seven years in one of the first one-to-one iPad schools in Iowa. Even cooler than that, he's a contributing blogger and an app reviewer for TeacherCast.net, and he's also a contributing blogger at InnovateMySchool.com. If he hasn't done enough already, he presents at a lot of conferences, like the Keystone TIC Conference and ISTE 2016 And he just killed it. He has also been recognized as the 2014 Iowa Safe Schools Educator of the Year. And this is why I'm bringing him to you today. He has accomplished so much in his time as an educator, and he has learned a lot through this journey. And his message today is going to get you on fire for education. So let's dive into this interview. Well, hey, Jared, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Elite educators around the world are just eager to learn from you today, so I'm going to get right to it.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So let's talk about how our paths have crossed.
1: Yeah, um, I think probably the, the first way we sort of crossed paths was through Twitter chats. Um, especially the personalized PD Twitter chat, but I also, of course, listen to the podcast as well. And so it was really cool to see that a person that's involved with the Twitter chat is also the person that's leading these podcasts and um, trying to empower teachers. So I think I was sort of following the podcast, so I don't think our trails crossed, but I think our trails crossed more through the Twitter chats.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we talk a lot on this show about Twitter and just the power of connecting with people, not in your school, you know, in your district, in your state. So since you brought that up, can you just chat for a second about what you love about Twitter and Twitter chats in general?
1: Oh boy, I could go on uh for a while here. <laughs> but yeah, I think um Twitter was one of those tools where I tried it probably four or five years ago and It was one of those things where you just sort of test it out and then you realize "Eh, this really wasn't quite for me because it feels kind of like I could do the same thing with Facebook except I have more characters to work with. And then a couple more times I tried it, it didn't really stick. And then um, I started a master's program in instructional technology at the beginning of 2012. And through that master's program there was a particular one of those courses that started to get us to use Twitter more heavily. And I was lucky enough to have Dr. Lee Zeitz um, sort of guide us through the use of Twitter a little bit more so I could better understand it. And then once I understood exactly what it could do and I started to get involved in Twitter chats, I started to connect with a lot of educators that are just insanely smart. And through those connections is where, honestly, I felt like my growth mindset just exploded. I was... I was really getting some great ideas for my own classroom. And when I saw those great ideas working in my own classroom, I saw the value and what it could do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were mentioning at first, you weren't really into Twitter chats, you couldn't really figure out what the buzz was about. So I know a lot of listeners are I've been trying for so long to get them on Twitter, but they're just hesitant. So why do you think you were feeling that way?
1: Well, you know, I am I guess maybe it was just the, the timing where I was a, more into like the Facebook phase. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to post pictures and then, of course, you weren't limited in the number of characters you could use with Facebook and that right. sort of thing. But, of course, Facebook were, for me was used just for personal use. It was connecting with my friends and my family. And so when I treated Twitter more as like a professional learning network where it was just for teaching and getting ideas for teaching, I think that sort of changed my thinking on it a little more because now I was thinking, well, I don't have to connect with my friends and family through Twitter. I can just treat, that as, treat Twitter as something specifically for um, building my own professional capacity and knowledge yeah. and once i did that i think it was a better buy in for me plus it, there was the learning curve with the 140 characters and <laughs> yeah. honestly being yeah. an english teacher in a middle school and high school environment i you know i'm all about the complete sentences and right. so i had to throw those rules out the window <laughs> <laughs>
0: And abbreviations and hashtags and all of that.
1: Yes, Yes. figure out like T, the the capital T, small s is teachers, you know. Right,
0: yeah. Lingo,
1: you know, it takes a little learning.
0: That's so true. Well, you're mentioning classroom and teaching English. So what's your current position in the educational field?
1: Yeah, so um, I graduated my master's in 2014, and in doing so, I took on a new role outside the classroom, which I was very hesitant to do, I will say. But I'm I'm really glad that I have um, taken this new role as a technology integration specialist kind of consultant role with an area education agency. And in the state of Iowa, which is where we're located, we have, uh, I can't remember if it was seven or eight area, eight area education agencies, and really we're state-funded where we're in charge of a, a certain region of the state, and we support um, the schools within that particular district or region by providing any kind of consulting that the school may need, including professional development. My particular role is basically how I try to explain it to people is I try to help teachers learn how to teach using technology versus textbooks and packets and worksheets. Right.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of teachers are trying to use tech and not integrate tech, and I think there's such a difference. Like, It's not just showing a video checking the box that you had some sort of tech happening, but it's utilizing it to learn from, right?
1: Absolutely, or just using um, this really expensive piece of equipment – To type a paper, you know, Um, in the state of Iowa, we are lucky enough to have a lot of our schools that have gone to the one-to-one initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I would say that there are still schools that are struggling to really harness the power of that one-to-one, or I would probably explain it to an administrator, um, really trying to get the bang for your buck here. Uh, when you spend that much money on a one-to-one, you want to make sure that the devices aren't just being used as a very expensive homework distribution system, right. but in fact that they are being utilized to reach the upper level of Bloom's taxonomy. And that's, that's my biggest sell to teachers, especially the teachers that are very reluctant and are very blunt with me and say, I don't see the the purpose of these. Sell me on this. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I try to say to them, look, I don't know when I look at my own classroom and I say, I want to get my kids into the upper level of Bloom's taxonomy as frequently as possible over the longest duration of time. That's good. I don't know how to do that without the use of technology. I, I can't do that with a textbook. I have not been able to do it with a packet or worksheet. So if you can show me how to do that, I will gladly buy into it. And so that's kind of the the open door that I present to the teachers in order to get them to sort of see the reasoning behind it. Because when we talk about moving from lower level to upper level Bloom's Taxonomy, I can almost guarantee some piece of technology is going to be in that process. But that's where I start, is with the, is with the Bloom's Taxonomy, because that starts with the learning. I start with the pedagogy, the learning, and then the tools come into play.
0: Yeah, and then even once you get to tools, it's how do you use this? Like, what are the functions of it? And then part two is how do I deliver content through this tool?
1: Absolutely, yep.
0: Well, we were talking a little bit about things that you've kind of gained along the way in terms of knowledge and and approaching teachers. So what would you say is the best lesson that you've learned so far in this new role?
1: Oh, um, I've only been – this is not quite my set full second year in the in this particular role, and i got to say there have just been so many um, because in my role – I mean, as a teacher back in the classroom, you're so enclosed into your environment of just your school building in your classroom, whereas in my role, I'm in a different building almost every other day, and so – um, I get a, a grander perspective as far as the teaching profession as a whole, and not only that, the support system that teachers have as a whole. And I would say my greatest lesson so far is that teachers, um, oh, teachers are, are teachers can get burned out easily. Like there are a lot of different ways right now where teachers can feel a little burned out, even teachers that have been teaching for twenty plus years. Um, I have conversations with teachers that feel like it things have changed too much, mm-hmm. and so they or too fast, and so they um, they feel like maybe maybe it's time to get out or something like that. But yet they're a really good, effective teacher, and so I've been able to kind of pinpoint just in my particular role that teachers kind of feel burned out mainly through like the the professional development stuff that they go through. Yeah, you might have to deal with the cranky parents or something like that, but really it's kind of the mandates that are being handed down right now where they kind of feel um, a little pressure, and that pressure might eventually just become too much, and they might feel a little burned out. But um, that's where I have the greatest conversations with teachers, and if, if I literally had a nickel for every time I heard the phrase, we just don't want another thing. We don't yeah. want another add-on. Um, That's been the number one phrase I hear from teachers. And that tells me that they're being disempowered. And I know your podcast is all about empowering the educator. Mm -hmm. And that's where they feel the most disempowered is through that professional learning.
0: Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about Personalized PD. Oh, sure. (laughs) So start from the beginning of of how you felt this was going to be your niche.
1: It's weird because I, I I didn't really plan on it. I kind of fell into it. It kind of started um, last year at the actually at the very first thing that I was a part of when it came to this particular role. There was a school that didn't have a tech, that couldn't fill the technology coordinator position. Mm-hmm. And so they contacted the AEA and said, hey, could you, do you have anyone that might be able to kind of fill this role in for the coming year because we weren't able to get this filled? And so um, the supervisor here of my particular area, the instructional services area, she kind of said, well, we have this new guy named Jared. and." Being the new guy, he may not be as busy as some of our other consultants, so um, let's see how much time he can he can offer to you guys. And I think I was there for maybe a couple times a month is what I could really get in there as, but it started off kind of me meeting with superintendent, uh, the superintendent, the two librarian ladies who are the techie kind of people, um, and then they have three instructional coaches as well that were a part of the district. And so really it was me sitting around a table with them, just trying to come up with um, sessions that we could possibly cover for some of their professional development, so we basically were planning their monthly professional development is how they set it up. Um, but it was interesting because as I was sitting around table one of the first sessions we 're sitting there and this is a school district that I should probably set this up that they, are, they were just going one to one with MacBook airs six twelve okay. fairly big initiative this is kind of a two a three a size school in the state of Iowa. And so there was a lot of devices going out. And so they were like, how do we support this through our professional development? So, you know, we were kind of going around the table, like, oh, they're definitely going to need to know Google drive and and get that down pat. Um, they're going to need to know this and that. And so we kind of set it up as like a, almost like a mini conference. Like here are the different sessions you could go to pick the one that works for you. Right. Well, um, it was, it was the superintendent who was kind of sitting back, and he was listening to everything, and he kind of kept quiet the entire time. And then eventually, as we were just kind of talking towards the end, he just said, okay, this all sounds great, guys, but what about the teachers that don't need any of those? What? Yeah. He goes, what about the teachers that are just these standout teachers? He goes, I know we have teachers in our district that, that know every single one of those areas, and they are rocking it. What about them? They don't need any of those sessions. And so he was talking about sort of like the high flyer teachers. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know what? That, that makes a lot of sense. Like how are we supporting and empowering even the teachers that don't need the most basic remedial kind of support right. in order to utilize the device? And so that was kind of the open door in my mind. I heard it's like an open door to like let's start thinking about this differently. What's the system that we can put in place that essentially allows every single educator to identify a a specific weakness of their own and then go through the steps to make it better. And in doing that, it's a matter of saying to the teacher, instead of another thing, like I've already said teachers hate hearing Mm -hmm. or hate feeling like it's another thing, all we decided to do is let's do this. Let's ask the teachers to say, here's your plate that you already have of stuff you're doing. Identify the one thing on your plate that you feel is the weakest. That's good. Take it off your plate. And now let's research, integrate, and reflect on what could be better. And so by the using the word replace instead of add, right. it's, a, it's a much better sell to teachers and they feel much more empowered.
0: my God, I love it. I wish this was happening near me, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. So when you think about setting up a session, what goes through your mind to prepare for all these different levels of teachers?
1: Yeah. So when we do a session, there really is no specific kind of, uh, you know, I, I now as a consultant, I don't come in and do a whole session on say Schoology for the whole staff. What happens is when you have a system like this in place where the first step, and I always work with the school and staff to sort of go through that little, uh, you know, the self-reflection part where the, where the teacher identifies the area of their own weakness rather than me or the administrator, which is a better self for the teachers, then they begin the process of research. And research, researching could be literally anything, reading blogs, going to ed camps, going to conferences. Um, connecting with people on your PLN I mean literally anything could be research and then once they feel like they've um, fully understand research and I and I'm gonna uh, just use the example of flip learning because that's kind of the other expertise of mine is once a teacher says okay I really want to tackle flip learning because I realize that I need to differentiate my instruction more in my classroom and flip learning really helps me do that so they've read the book they've they've got the blogs down they've watched the videos they feel very confident that they're ready to move on to the next thing. Then they move on to integration. And the integration phase is where they are, in fact, trying to make this work in their classroom. And in that particular phase, the only, or I shouldn't say the only, but the major question we ask the teachers to keep in the forefront of their thinking is, what formative data are you going to collect that lets you know it's working? Right? Are you just going to pull the students? Are you going to survey the students? Are you going to go based off of their... Um, their assessment data? Are you going to go like, what's, what's the information that's going to tell you it's working or not? And then there, from there, you can tweak as you go. And then once they've, they've let's say for the exact of flip learning, it's, it could be like a year or two before you really feel like you've got this thing figured out. Once they've done, gotten to that point, now they move on to reflect. And all we do in the reflection phase is we simply ask the teacher to share within your district. Um, There are some schools that are using TED-style talks to do that Mm -hmm. sharing. Yes, a teacher could, if if talking in front of your peers is a little scary, which I understand, they could create a video and share it amongst the staff through, like, a staff email of some kind. You know, all we ask is share amongst your staff. And there are a set of questions, of course, for them to reflect on as well. And then the last phase, because we didn't want that to be the end all, the last phase is um, share outside your district. So we are encouraging teachers to... um, share outside their district by either presenting at a conference that's nearby, could be a a very small conference or a large conference, whatever it might be, or even have teachers blog and share it via social media. If you don't want to stand in front of a group of people, you can certainly blog and share that idea via social media. Now I have done whole staff sessions on blogging. I've done whole staff sessions on Twitter. I've done whole staff, like I've done all these big sessions as a whole staff on all these little parts, Mm -hmm. but of course, it's a shotgun effect. It's like I'm I'm going to try to hit as many as I can, and yet a very small group actually right. does it. So in this case, it's I'm taking those big ideas and I'm embedding them into this model so that way there's encouragement and there's intrinsic motivation to do some of those things.
0: So it sounds like educators are all over the place in this sequence, and so how – how do you start? Do you just meet in a smaller group of like a grade level or a specific teacher and just put them on the ride and then everyone's kind of at a different point? How does this logistically work for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because um, you have those teachers that say, I have no clue where to start with any of this. Like, this is, I've never had to think about my teaching or the, let alone the areas that I feel are the least effective. And so we try to get teachers, I, I try to set up this little uh, not really system, but this little formula for the teacher where I say, okay, and I share my own personal story as well in this whole thing, and I try to get them to say, okay, let's look and just identify where you feel students are spending the most time in the lower levels of Bloom's taxonomy. Once they've identified that, then the next question is, well, how do I move them to the upper levels? That's kind of a big question, bigger than what you think. And like I said, when they tackle that question, the technology is probably going to follow. And so, for example, I had a couple math teachers, middle school math teachers, when they were trying to get started on their um, first journey, I approached them and I said, okay, what are you guys thinking? What's going to be your first topic? And they said, well, we really want to learn Khan Academy. And I said, I don't think that's going to work. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what are you hoping to do with Khan Academy? Mm. And they said, well, I think we're trying to differentiate our math instruction a little bit more. And I said, there you go. Tackle that. Right. And you may discover Khan Academy is not the right tool uh-huh. for your students or you as a teacher. That's good. So we really try to, the two rules that I say to them when they develop their question, and we kind of use that inquiry-based um, motivation, mm-hmm. what's the big question you're trying to tackle? And number one, the question cannot be tool-centered and question number two, it has to be centered on the idea as what's going to have the or what's going to have a positive effect on learner outcomes, and that goes back to Guskey's model of professional development from 1980, I think six it was or 87. But one of those steps is uh, an effect on learner outcomes. Well, I just throw in the word positive because that's essentially what we're trying to look for is a positive effect, not a negative
0: effect. Well, I'm thinking about administration and how they generally have a pot of money every year that they need to spend on resources. And in this day and age, it's a lot of technology. So what do you say to them when they're like, we have to get iPads or we have to download all these specific apps when you know good and right. It's not about the tool. It's about the way you're using it. So how do you advise them there?
1: I actually tell administrators, I say, imagine this. Imagine you have a building full of intrinsically motivated teachers. (laughs) who are seeking out better ways to improve their instruction. And in the process, they discover the tools that they really feel they need in order to better implement that instruction. Uh And when a teacher comes to you and says, Hey, administrator, I feel like we need to buy Khan Academy And not only that, I can list you all the reasons why, and I have articles and stuff that I've done for my research that shows that Khan Academy is the best tool. I don't, if the money is there, I don't know how an administrator can say no to that. Right. I think it makes their job easier in my mind. So.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, I know you're working with tons of teachers. So what would you say makes an educator great?
1: Ooh, that's such a great question. Um, a few things, obviously growth mindset is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could definitely, um, tell the difference between a great teacher, a mediocre teacher and a teacher who is just struggling to try to, um, to get the kids to, to learn and growth mindset is huge. Uh, but I would say a teacher that can really establish relationships, we hear it every year from the National Teacher of the Year that gets uh, picked every year at the national level. Um, they are just absolutely amazing at establishing relationships. And in my mind, you know, I remember five years ago, or maybe it's still around, I don't know, but you had all these teachers kind of freaking out when this technology was coming out, and they were saying, well, the technology is just going to replace us someday, and we're not even needed. Not true. Right Now, if... If all you do in your classroom is lower level skill and drill stuff, then yes, you can be replaced. Mm. But it takes those skill and drill tools, those lower level Bloom's taxonomy tools will change every single month. It's right. like. But it takes an incredible teacher to be able to quickly identify where students are on Bloom's taxonomy and move them up and getting them to ultimately create something based on the content that they're working with. And in doing so, establishing those relationships is huge because through my research that I did as part of my master's for, with flip Learning, um, one statistic that popped out of me that I thought was really interesting is through all of the, the 18 studies I read, the qualitative data was almost unanimous as far as Students preferred to see a flip-learning video that was actually created by their own instructor, not Mm -hmm. gone out and looked for it because there are tons of instructional videos out there, not a curated playlist or anything else like that. They were more inclined to watch the video if the teacher not only made the video, like their voice is in it, but even if their face was in it. Mm -hmm. They were much more inclined to watch it. And that just proves to me that even through technology, the relationship that i have with a student whether it's my face in a video talking to them or whether it's me just saying hi to them in the hallway and asking them how their day is going that is m- empowering for the for the student
0: yeah it's an investment they feel it's a personalized message and so they're much more willing to listen i like that that makes sense i just never thought about it yeah well this podcast is dedicated to a lot of different teachers so we've got you know teachers in distress or transition new teachers all the way up to teacher leaders so if you could give any one of those buckets of teachers some advice what would it be and why
1: um I gotta say that um, for the new teachers especially um, my advice to them is I know that they They're just trying to keep their head above water some days, you know, Mm -hmm. just trying trying to survive with the kind of especially the content, especially if they're getting brand new um, uh, materials to have to teach with and everything else. But I would say if you no matter what you do in your classroom, if you stay focused on um, the learning process, I think that's the most important thing. It's more important than. Oh my gosh! how am I going to fit in this stuff by the end of the semester or something like that right. if the, If the students are actively cognitively engaged in those upper level of blooms with whatever you're doing in the classroom, you are on the right track because I spent a good chunk of my earlier years of teaching just trying to figure out oh how do I how do I distribute this packet <laughs> you know and it, focusing on that just ate up so much of my teaching time. And, you know, obviously those are the struggles I had to go with to understand, you know what, maybe it's not about the packet. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. And so I would say if you could focus on how do I get kids into those upper levels, you are going to be on the right track for sure.
0: And who would you say that they should talk to if they're like, I conceptually get that, but I'm struggling to physically do it. What should they do then?
1: Oh, I – find anyone, <laughs> literally anyone go down the hall. Um, and this is the, and I like how this, this was brought up because this is, I teach a blended and flipped cohort here as part of our AEA. And, um, the one question we post to them, because when we get into those ideas of like blended learning, flipped learning, whatever it might be, when I take a look at my content and I say, well, how do I make this particular part of my content connect with something real world? That is not just that's not taught to us in teacher prep courses. No. And so when I don't know how to make that connect, here's the reason why you have to have a strong PLN in place. Mm-hmm. So that could include, and I, I include that PLN, the teachers in my hallway, any colleagues um, in another building or another district. Uh, obviously, I work really hard to keep building my PLN on Twitter and now on Voxer. And I know, there, I have a... a I have a crowd of people that I know if I got a conundrum or a question, I can go to them and I'm just going to get some great ideas, stuff that I've never heard of before, mm-hmm. that I may have never thought of before. And for those teachers that may say, "How to, I don't know how to get them to get in those upper levels, go just pose the question and see what comes back your way. But work to really build that PLN because it will pay dividends in the end.
0: Yeah, you don't need to do this thing alone, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Well, you just gave some good advice, but who do you go to for advice? Who's your current mentor and why?
1: I don't know. If, I was thinking about that one. I don't know if I can exactly pin that down to one particular person. I mean, just in the last month, I have reached out to so many different people for ideas and thoughts and just to bounce around ideas and um, they're just, you know, so many names pop up that I just can't list a specific one. Uh, last year in my current role, I did have a mentor here in the building. Her name is Deb Hankus, and she was incredible as far as showing me the ropes and everything else. She was a fantastic mentor, so I give big kudos to her. Um, but I have, you know, Bev Burns, who is a, um, a great Twitter user, but also uh, I'm lucky enough to call a colleague here in the building. She's really helped me bounce around ideas uh, Melissa Wickland, you know, just my team here, Laura Stanner, my team here at the AEA. Um, but outside the AEA, there are just too many to count, too many people for me to rely on. But their ideas have spurred so many more ideas of mine that um, I almost feel like uh, I have to give credit to all of them in some way.
0: Well, and past guests have said, I have a mentor for different parts of my life. Do you find that true for you as well?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about the growth mindset, we have to have those mentors for those various parts of my life, not just my teaching life, but, um, my social life, my, um, you know, like for example, I'm, I'm one that is probably more, uh, introverted. And so like my wife is really good at getting me to be more extroverted and, um, my friends and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to have those various mentors because when you come into those moments, and this is the big thing I pulled away from the growth mindset book, when you come to those moments where you feel like a failure, even though you may not be, we need to have those mentors that say, you know what, it, here's how what you could learn from it. They help you see what you could learn from it.
0: Yeah. Another perspective for sure. Well, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about personalized PD. We just talked about growth mindset. You mentioned flip learning. So what is your current project that you're working on and its impact on the educational field?
1: Uh, I, a couple. I was lucky enough last year to work with, like I said, two of my colleagues, Bev Burns and Melissa Wicklin, to create a blended and flipped cohort. So Bev Burns, she kind of comes from the Heavy blended learning background, my background with the flip learning and my research with flip learning and then uh, Melissa Wickland who works with our AEAPD online she's our sort of uh, online instructional designer expert so we kind of combined our powers in a way where we say, how can we make these three work together and so what we tried to do is rather than go learn go get trained on something and then just come back and regurgitate that training we right. thought we need to create something. And so what we did is we created a learning map that combines blended learning methods with flip learning methods, and then also online learning methods. And really, when we got down to it, we thought, you know what, flip learning is a really good strategy to tackle the lower level thinking. So like, how do I take this lower level Bloom's taxonomy stuff and push that onto a learning management system that's kind of where that's built in and then we decide well if i push that stuff out now i have more in-class time to do some of those blended learning models to get kids into the upper levels of thinking and so combining that into a big idea for teachers to be able to wrap their mind around has been very fun um, and satisfying to see actually then go out and see teachers take those same strategies and everything else into their classes and then that also kind of started in our own little area our northeast part of the state but now that particular course that the 3-day course that we developed is now being implemented at several other AEAs throughout the state so oh, that's cool yeah so other teachers are now able to experience so it's good to know that what you created is is being able is easily duplicated but then also digestible enough for teachers that they can take it and take something from it um and then my other project that I'm currently working on is uh, I'm really trying to put together a book for my personalized PD model because I feel like in this, I've, I've worked with several different districts, plus within my AEA, plus districts uh, have contacted me outside my AEA just wanting some like tips and tricks on how to implement this. And I just find myself repeating kind of the same things over yeah. and over to, these, to like 3A schools or 1A schools, you know, the, size, the school size changes. Mm-hmm. But... Really, I feel the model is flexible enough where if I just kind of put down in a format somehow, um, like a roadmap for a district, like look at it and be like, yeah, I think we could do this. And here's how we can make this be successful. Um, That's my goal. And so I'm working on that right now as well.
0: You should totally do that. That would be a great resource.
1: I've been actually I didn't even think of it but I've had a few people in a couple different schools be like man you gotta this is good you need to put this in something that other schools can use because they need this not just the schools the teachers need this this is like for some of the school districts I work they said this the teachers are feeling empowered right now they're feeling motivated intrinsically motivated not just extrinsically motivated you know I see other PD models that are like gamified Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I'm not saying those models are bad because if they motivate teachers, awesome. But my model is not based on extrinsic motivation or points or anything like that. So uh, I really try to build in as much intrinsic motivation and get back to the most raw process of just learning as possible and just kind of say to administrators, protect that time. Don't, Don't mess with that time for teachers. Give that to them, and I feel like they will be able to go much farther um, than what they would with traditional PD.
0: Well, speaking about learning and growing, how are you just staying current on what's happening in our field? I know that we talked a little bit about Twitter, but is there something you do to make sure you're up to date on what's happening?
1: Yeah, I, I am fortunate enough that within my AEA, there's also um, a certain amount of money that is budgeted for us consultants to attend uh, a couple of uh, like really good conferences throughout the year. So like this year, I'll be presenting at ISTE. Oh, and, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that that actually got accepted because... Uh, I was thinking, ah, I'll just give it a shot and throw in the personalized PD model in there and see what happens. But um, I'll be presenting at ISTE, and then there's Tech and Learning in Chicago that I'll also be a part of, like, a personalized PD panel, and um, a couple other opportunities to kind of talk about personalized PD, but of course, I'm not there to just talk about personalized PD. I'm there to learn. So I'm going to sessions. I'm trying to talk with other people. And believe me, that's not easy when you're introverted to just go up to people and be like, Hey, I follow you on Twitter. Let's talk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I try to take advantage of those opportunities a little bit because I want to pick those brains. I want to get on those sessions of stuff I haven't seen yet or need to learn more of. That's my opportunity for me to do my own personalized PD and get into that research phase, like have a specific goal of what I want to go learn and go learn it.
0: So it's interesting you brought up you know being a little introverted and being in a conference or something where there's a lot of people because I listen to the Mentee podcast. Absolutely love Jeff Woods. And he talks about how – he wants to help people. And the only way to make connections is to find out what their current need is or their current pain so he can fix it. And so he just walks up to people and says, what are you working on right now? And then they, this whole conversation start, you know, goes off from there. So that may be something that you say and then you're going to realize, oh, my gosh, I can actually help you do X, Y, Z.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to start conversations because – Immediately, in my opinion, everybody, everybody, this is something a philosophy that I even took in my own classroom. Every student just wants to be heard and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you will have a highly intrinsically motivated student in your classroom. My philosophy is if we do the same thing with teachers, they're going to remain highly motivated in this profession too. And he's already doing that by asking, what are you working on? He's saying, I am interested in what you have to say, and I'm interested in the work you're doing, and in our conversation, I'm going to acknowledge both of those. And immediately, you're going to have a person that is like, oh, wow, this is great. Every human being that walks this earth just wants to be validated, heard, and acknowledged
0: you are so empowering I love this oh thanks
1: (laughs) this is fun I love it
0: (laughs) well I want to embarrass you now or at least make you blush a little bit tell us about your best all-star teacher moment
1: oh man (laughs) Mm -hmm. um gosh I think back to all the cool projects where you think man that has got to be like a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really take that project to another level and um you know, I I could think of one project we did where we connected with another school to try to raise six million pennies for the six million victims in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just taking a project like that and centering around in an English classroom was just a, so much thinking on my part. But it was it was challenging to the point where it was really fun, and the students just were on fire with it. Um, but I got to say, I think, uh, sort of my proudest moment in the education field uh In 2014, I was recognized in the state of Iowa as the Iowa Safe Schools Teacher of the Year for um, being an advocate for LGBTQ youth. Cool. And so the ability to um, sort of be interviewed and and be able to add my voice to help those students that feel like they don't have a voice Mm – I really feel like was very humbling, extremely humbling, and being able to address 900 educators and youth and mentors and advocates at a, at a conference um, and just kind of tell my story with it a little bit and explain my, how, why I'm so passionate about giving these kids that voice, I think was a, a really, for me it was a shining moment, it really was.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You should be proud of that, but not just that one moment, but everything that led up to that because your all-star moment is really every conversation you had with a kid that felt they had no voice that led up to that moment, right?
1: You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right.
0: Well, cool. Well, Jared, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, So before I let you go, I do want to ask you one more question, and that is how do you reignite your passion and potential as an educator?
1: Okay, so there was this little trick that I did. Not really a trick, because I think all teachers do it. Um, When I was in the classroom, even when I was student teaching, up to that point, I kept every little note or letter that a student ever wrote me. Okay. Um, Just saying thanks. Because, honestly, those are the the reasons why I walked into that school building absolutely loving my job and not giving one iota about what dollar amount I made. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was the most motivating thing for me was to get those kind of remarks from those kids. Then, transitioning to my current role, I was really afraid that I wouldn't gain that same sense of satisfaction, you know? Right. Like, those light bulb moments you get with kids is just mm-hmm. is precious. Well, I have discovered that in my role, I still get those same light bulb moments from teachers, I still get those same ahas, and when that light bulb goes off, it is still just as rewarding. And the same thing I do now is I keep all those thank you emails that I get from teachers now, and in a little folder <laughs> in my email. So whenever I just feel like, you know, why am I doing this again? What's what's my goal with this and everything else? I, I I go into those emails, I go into those notes because essentially what I'm hoping to do with teachers will have also effect on students as well. So. Um, I, I keep all of those and I really do look through them from time to time and they're great reminders. They're great reigniters Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I had one as a teacher and I need to start doing one as a coach, but you're right. When you have a rough day and you just look back on some of the things people have said about you, you're like, I can't believe they think this of me. I don't know why I'm being so hard on myself right now. And it just lifts your spirits and you're able to gain a lot more energy and focus to move forward.
1: Yeah, I know you did a podcast just uh, not too long ago about that, uh, receiving a letter from a, a teacher that you helped. And it was, you know, those moments are just so powerful. And I feel like, again, that's the beauty of learning. You know, when we're all struggling through this process of how do we learn and how do we help others to learn, telling each other that we have some impact on that is huge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you so much for your time tonight. Tell us where we can connect with you to learn more.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously on Twitter, I will definitely, uh, connect with anyone on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Jay Borman and Borman has two N's and the way I explain it to people is it, it has extra man. <laughs> so it's B O R M A N N. And then the number three, because believe it or not, there's more than one Jay Borman on Twitter. Um, so J Borman three on Twitter. And then, um, also, I have a blog that I try to keep fairly up-to-date. I could probably do a better job of that. But that's Borman Bytes, as in Computer Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S dot com. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm also on Voxer. I'm on a couple other places. But I'd say those are the two areas where if you're looking to learn from me and, and connect and share ideas, uh, those would be the two main places.
0: Excellent. Well, you heard it, Elite Educators. Start connecting with Jared today. Thank you so much, and I'm going to chat with you soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Can't wait.
0: All right. Bye. Holy cow. Wasn't that an amazing message from Jared Borman? He truly loves what he does, and he is on the side of the teacher for sure, really wanting to make sure that everything that is created for a teacher's own learning experience is purposeful, and it's going to have the biggest impact on students and He thinks of teachers first. He knows what their current pains are. He knows what they don't want to hear, what they don't want to take on, but he also knows what's best for them. And he knows how to phrase it in a way that will get you excited and on board for what's to come. I'm just so glad that I had a chance to chat with Jared today because everything he was mentioning about personalized learning and a growth mindset and flipped learning is so important for every transformation that's starting to happen in our schools, and it all begins with the teacher, and they have to be equipped and knowledgeable about how to use tools so that they're actually enhancing instruction instead of just checking a box that technology was used. Well, off the record, Jared and I talked for a few more minutes after the interview, and it ended up being so great I wanted to include it. So, you gain behind the scenes access into our conversation. So hang tight.
1: Yes, yes. And let me, I forgot to mention, you're, you're in a coach, correct? Yes. An instructional coach. Uh-huh. And I forgot to mention in that personalized PD model that when a teacher moves from each of those phases, this model absolutely hinges on the use of coaches because that coach, when a teacher gets stuck in any one of those phases, that coach is constantly meeting with them to help them feel like they're progressing through the whole process over and over and over again. Mm. So I forgot to mention, you know, coaches are so vital. You are so vital to uh, the whole educational system as a whole.
0: Well, I wish more school districts would get on board, but I think they're expecting quick results like anything. And so within a year, if they spent their money on this role and they're not seeing like test scores skyrocket, they turn it in and they buy more technology. And then teachers who are network coaches now have to say, well, what do I do? Because I know what I'm doing is working. It just takes time for it to come to fruition. So I'm kind of battling some of that myself thinking, we are really onto something if we can just keep this and help teachers in the way of a personalized coach. Admin doesn't have the time, nor are they structured to do that kind of help.
1: Absolutely. And let me ask, you're in South Carolina, right? North Carolina. Sorry, North Carolina. So in North Carolina, has there been like a whole state initiative to add that coaching role or is that something specific to your district?
0: District only. And even within the district, some schools aren't doing it. They've just decided they want to do something else you know I keep saying pot of money because that's how it works with us but each school is given a certain amount and the principal decides do I want to hire a TA do I want to do PD do I want to buy technology do I want to have this instructional coach role and so it's really up to them with their mission or how they think their teachers are doing what they want to do, but I just really truly believe I could have been an amazing teacher if I had a coach to who had a different perspective and could point things out and make me think and man, I just want teachers to have this gift and I wish admin could really see the value, but it, it does take some time to get some momentum.
1: Absolutely, you're right. In fact, in the state of Iowa a couple of years ago, um the governor came up with a a big initiative they called it uh, TLC grants, which stands for teacher leadership coaching grants. And Mm -hmm. so um, there was this extra kind of funds where if a school fills out this ungodly long application and (laughs) they actually get the process all done and they uh, get picked, then they get special funding from the state to hire within their district those teacher leader coaches. And so those roles are then picked from within the districts, but um, that was supposed to be a three-year type of grant funny grant money flow. Mm-hmm. And so the big question is, well, what happens after three years? Do those roles still stay in place, or you know? So they're there, but as you say, you want to if you want to see the effect of coaching, you got to go more than just a year or two or even three.
0: Yeah, and then maybe yourself, like an administrator I would say is I want you to experience coaching because I think it's a feeling. I think once you see what it's like to have someone hone in on you and you were mentioning with students, like they just want to be heard and this is a way to give teachers a voice is to really, look at what they're doing, every choice they're making in the classroom, and talk through it about how it's affecting students' performance. And if an administrator could see what that could do to their own leadership skills, I think there would be 100% more on board, because they're just going to feel that transformation within them happening.
1: You are exactly right. In fact, with the personalized PD model that I use, um, I actually encourage administrators to go through the same process as the teachers. And when they do in some of the schools that I have where the administrator decides what is, what is the weakness that I want to work on? Um, and they start to work with that coach, man, there's one teacher, a middle school teacher in one district that has just gone and done amazing things within her middle school as far as spreading positivity and just really changing the culture within her middle school, all because of um, that model. But then more importantly, when the coach, the coach was just really working with her through the whole process. And so I really feel like that, te- that, that administrator would not be as successful with it if it wasn't for that coach. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's it, elite educators. Jared is the man. I am so glad that I got a chance to talk to him today, and I hope he made you feel good that things that are changing in education today are for the better. They are going to empower you to become your best to reach that potential so that you can then help your students reach their potential too. Well, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Jared Borman. Now, go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.